This is Bulldogs by the Numbers, and we're going to discuss the Georgia Bulldogs versus Cincinnati. What kind of effort was given on the field? The huge plays that happened in the game, including targeting, a big field goal block, you get a strip sack, you get some deflections, you get the long field goal to win the game, Aziz Ojolari, and then just the offense in general, how the run game was very ineffective, and JT Daniels' performance overall. We'll discuss all that and more next on Bulldogs by the Numbers. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Welcome to Bulldogs by the Numbers. My name is Tug Cowart from 680 The Fan and Brent Rollins from UGASports.com as well as Pro Football Focus. I was at the game. Uh, it was the first game that I'd been to all season, but it was a weird vibe. You had seats that were zip-tied down, so you could only sit with groups of four people. So how was the how was the breakdown, like in terms of UGA fans versus Cincinnati fans? You know, I'd probably say 60-40 UGA but, you know, Atlanta's got such a transient population. There's oh, yeah. plenty of people from Ohio who live here in Atlanta. One of the things that the Peach Bowl is like, hey, we're going to get at least for me a lot of people and a lot of Georgia fans because it's so close. But Cincinnati traveled well. They wanted to they wanted to see their season uh, end a little better than it actually did. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. But the only thing is it was 15,000 people. That's it. That's all. It was like 15,300 yeah. maybe. It was a really, really small crowd, and I think tickets were hard to come by. So, you know, if it's a wide-open stadium, then Georgia probably does have quite a bit more and and let me tell you, those Cincinnati fans thought they had beaten and upset the Bulldogs. They were talking trash. And I know that specifically because I was sitting with three of them. And who, so who were these Cincinnati fans that you were sitting with? So my buddy, Colin Weed, is the sales manager here at 680 The Fan uh, and a couple of his neighbors. And so interesting breakdown. He... Actually didn't go to Cincinnati, but his dad, his mom, and his wife all graduated from Cincinnati. And then a fan of UCF, which is also in the AAC, so he was pulling for Cincinnati, pulling for his conference, which I thought that was out of vogue, but apparently not. (laughs) Strangely enough, he's a UCF fan. His son is a Florida Gators fan and was cheering against Georgia because he hates Georgia. He's a Florida fan. It makes it interesting, at least. It was. And a little bit of cubby that you had to exist, it does make it interesting. To have nine starters out of the game, you know, like five opt-outs and then four, you know, James Cook, his father had passed, so he didn't play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Trey there was, was hurt. three. Yeah, exactly. There's three injuries, I believe. So nine nine starters altogether. They don't want to hear that. Oh, yeah, of course. Georgia's got all this depth. They should beat us anyway, right? I'm like, well, look, you take nine starters out of any team, then it's going to be different. Very much so. And you saw that. You saw the game. You saw the you know, the offensive line kind of struggled throughout the game. We'll get into that, I think, a little bit later when we talk about the offense. But 
early, specifically early for Georgia, the secondary. You have an, almost an entire new secondary. You know, Seen and Smith had been playing, but Tyree Stevenson went from star to the outside corner. You had Latavius Brinney making his first ever start uh, at star. A lot of new faces, and Desmond Ritter for Cincinnati took great advantage of it in the first half. What did you pick on Bond as far as the effort, the vibe of the game? I saw a Georgia team that, um, you know, do they want to win? Of course. Are they going to celebrate when they win? Of course. But they have bigger aspirations than playing Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl. Very much so. But what, what did we just see the previous, I think, night, right? The night before, the two nights before when, when Florida played Oklahoma. They definitely just played like a team that was ready to be done and didn't necessarily want to be there. We've talked about that earlier in the season, like against Missouri and even some of the other games. Once the Florida loss occurred, you didn't see sort of quit. You didn't see give up. You consistently saw effort and want to and just a, a team camaraderie and a spirit and a culture that I think if you're a Georgia fan, something to be proud of and something that you know from a, from a coaching staff standpoint that, hey, our, our coaching staff is always going to have our guys ready to play. I agree with that to an extent, but I don't think I saw that as much until late third, early fourth and through the fourth quarter. I don't think I the think first half. that was half just as much frustration, though. Could have been. Bounces were happening against them. You know, you'd had three straight games of offensive just explosion and a lot of points, a lot of yards. And there was a little bit of struggle and frustration in the middle part of that game where I texted a buddy literally 30 seconds before Aziz's strip sack. And I'm like, you just need one play. You need one big play somewhere to change the momentum. And once that happened, entirely the whole game changed. You're exactly right. Well, let's go through a few of those big, big plays. You had the targeting one. Since you mentioned that, we'll go through that first. James Hudson was Cincinnati's best offensive lineman coming into the season, highest graded or coming into the game, highest graded offensive lineman, played left tackle and was who Aziz Ojolari was going up against a lot within the game. When he gets that targeting right before the end of the half, and it was was one of those plays where targeting on another lineman, okay, that's not normal. But then you watch the replay, and he, you know, the play is over with, and he bends his head down and chucks it right into the Georgia defender. That became turning point for the game, for what it did uh, for Aziz Ojolari, because the backup that they brought in, Lawrence, L-O-R-E-N-Z. Number 52, maybe? 51, I 51, think okay. it was. 6'9", ginormous dude. He did not have a good day. He had like he four false starts, didn't he? Yes, a lot of penalties, and Ojolari just absolutely torched him in the second half, and he was, I think, the second lowest graded player in the entire game. So that single penalty became a huge part of the game in the second half. Let's go through another big play that happened for Georgia, and that was Jordan Davis getting a hand on the field goal where uh, Cincinnati was about to go up 10-7, at that point in time, you know, it's a big play in general. And I loved his celebration where he just sprinted off to the side. And, you know, pretty cool to see him celebrate. And he's a big dude who can move pretty quickly. But it's more of what happens at the end when the field goal wins it for you. And you had prevented those three points there. So yeah. it was a big play just in the grand scheme of things. No doubt about it. Uh, you got that one. Then you got the Tyreek Stevenson deflection. Uh, that's the one when he's going down. And it is going to be a big play for Cincinnati. He just throws up his arms. It's the game, yeah. He throws up his arms. It's the game. And it deflects the ball, and you're like, oh my gosh, that dude was just acting on instinct by throwing up his arms. Yes, so you had the Aziz strip sack that changed the complexion of the game. Georgia scores two plays later. Now it's a game. Now they're into it. But yeah, after all the back and forth, you get to 21-19, and you're third and two. And by the way, Cincinnati just runs the ball right there or tells the quarterback, make fake three throws and then run it. Ability of Georgia to get down and have enough time to to kick the game-winning field goal is 
different. But Tyreek, that's just an unbelievable instant instant play. He sees the quarterback's eyes. He sees the receiver wide open, comes off his coverage, and just sprints backwards, sees the receiver put up his hands. Yeah. And it's it's the play, it's at that point, obviously, the play of the game. Now, all of the clock and time management issues that led to that, in the totality of it, Georgia was unbelievably lucky to win this game. Yeah, they were. Uh, after taking a timeout, then punting, and then Cincinnati deciding to throw the ball in third and two, which you see that more and more. You saw that last year with LSU where it's like, hey, game's on the line. We're not just going to run it and run clock and give the ball back. We're going to go win it with our offense and win it with the ball. Yeah, but prior to that, let's go back to the Aziz Ojolari strip sack too because I, I jumped ahead a little bit because he had, you know, obviously the safety at the end of the game with the sack, which was huge. Mm-hmm. But that strip sack, without that, I don't know you win the game. Right, and that's the momentum part. And we had talk, you, you just needed one big play. It was There was a lull within that game. You know, you had the fourth and one that Georgia missed where they threw the ball yep. to uh, Kyrison in motion, quick little out route. They missed that. So you know, they're just they're fighting and trying to get some momentum. JT had a on a first down play, by the way, scrambles and fumbles the ball and, uh, when he's sort of near the red zone. So there's a lot of just things happening against them, preventing them from scoring. And then Aziz gets that, and then two plays later, you're in the end zone. Which, by the way, interesting enough, Zamir White's touchdown, the last running play of the game for Georgia. They did not run the ball again. They had three other possessions, did not run the ball again. That shows you the mindset of Munkin and Kirby Smart either allowing it or endorsing it. Yes. You know, some of it is just the flow and the situation of the game. But yeah, they did not run the ball one more time. Man, I tell you what. That was interesting. Yes, no doubt about it. I was looking back through my notes because I noticed that they used a boatload of 12 personnel. It went back to what we talked about in the last podcast. They were sending a message to Eric Gilbert. I think they continued <laughs> to send that message with how many times they got the tight ends involved. Darnell Washington now in the last two games, he's got five catches on seven targets, 107 yards, 88.5 receiving grade. And the one over the middle that he caught and then broke some tackles and you yeah. know, almost scored. That just shows you what a threat and weapon that he can be. And obviously, if, if things come to fruition in the other realm uh, with the Gilbert thing you know that that would be a big time matchup nightmare having the two of those on the same offense no doubt about it but look uh john fitzpatrick got involved as well yes he did when you have any offense now i don't think based upon the amount of talent they have offensively you're not going to see it's going to be hard to see someone like a Devonte smith that has you know 100 catches you know what it would be nice is if you see five different guys with tons and tons of numbers and a diversity of offense that hopefully they get to in the, in the next fall. We're hoping so. Let's stick with the the big plays and then finally get down and we'll go back to Aziz Ojolari because he's got the uh, the sack for the safety at the end of the game, but it didn't come before old Hot Pod. He's got a rental nickname. He gets out there, kicks his career long. He puts Georgia up over Cincinnati by a point. Clutch as clutch can be. I was looking up something over the weekend and stumbled upon and watched some some of the LSU Georgia game from a year ago. Oh man, why would you and do that to yourself? I forget what I was doing. It was something I was looking at specifically, but you know, Rodrigo missed a fifty yarder early in that game. I remember it. We were that you game know, too. In, Good in the first quarter. So you're thinking- you know, it's not like it's just a given. End of the game, game on the line. Like when you look at the entire SEC, kickers were eighteen of thirty two. That's fifty six percent on fifty plus yard field goal attempts. It was a coin flip kick. It's not like the NFL where you, which by the way, I think I even saw Rodrigo miss the 50-something yarder in the NFL yesterday. It's not an automatic thing. That was amazing. Yeah. He put it right down the middle, too. I'm telling you, and it hit the camera guy. Dude, he he bell checked and did his job. That's exactly that right. Stayed with the ball the whole entirety of the time. But yes, supremely great kick. And just when you're asked to do those things and when you're put in those spots, it come up big for your teammates. It goes a long way and, and just everything in the 
morale and everything about that person being on the field and the confidence that they have. So we'll end on big plays with Aziz Ojolari showing back up and really raising his NFL draft stock. I think he, he had great draft stock to begin with. That game actually elevated it even more. So you end the game on a safety. That actually puts Georgia up over Cincinnati by a field goal, by three points. He was just in attack mode. You could see it. You knew it was coming almost. Once the left tackle went out and once the backup came in, he just absolutely owned him. Even when they moved the line of scrimmage, they got the guy to jump off sides a bunch. Just in the second half, he had 11 pass rush snaps. So he had three sacks in the second half on just 11 pass rush snaps, including the, the strip sack. Like you said, he was firmly, and this is not a, you know, there's no Chase Young, there's no Miles Garrett this year from a draft perspective. You know, head and shoulders above everybody else on the edge uh, as a pass rusher. He's put himself to be in that discussion as the number one edge defender off the board and be in that middle of the first round type world, depending upon team needs and, and what teams do. But he's he's now the highest graded edge defender in the power five. He had the second highest pass rush grade. When you look at his bend, his hand usage, all the things that you want to see out of a out of a, that position, he's got it and he's improved. Unless there's some you know red flag type measurable or knee, because he obviously came off a knee injury as a freshman, but Barring that, I think he's definitely solidified himself as a first-round pick. I can't argue with that one at all. I don't think anybody can. He he really did a uh, bang-up job for the Georgia Bulldogs all season and ended on a, such a solid note. When we come back, yeah, we'll talk. You, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Especially when, I was saying, especially when you've seen a lot of opt-outs and guys who are mid to high, even first-round type that he came in and played and then lifted his team to victory. So when we come back, we'll uh, check on the offense altogether because that run game was really ineffective. And there's probably several reasons to that. We'll tell you what they are next on Bulldogs by the Numbers. My name is Tug Coward along with Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus and UGASports.com. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Georgia's offense, they didn't do exactly what we expected them to do against Cincinnati, but there may be a bunch of reasons behind that. This is Bulldogs by the Numbers. My name is Tug Cowart from The Fan, 680 and 93.7 FM, and Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus and UGASports.com. So the run game is as ineffective as I've maybe ever seen it against Cincinnati, against a group of five team. Well, one, their defense is good. It you is. have to give credit where credit is due. And they obviously, they, they don't run a traditional defense Per se, they they move a lot of pieces. They have a great defensive coordinator. You know, I saw today where LSU's trying trying to lure him or interview him for their DC job. So you know, he's going to be moving up in the ranks very quickly. Very good defensive coordinator. But independent of that, you had just looking at the results, the run block grade, and this is a team run block grade. So that's on the edges, that's tight ends, that's other players. That's not just the offensive line, but the team run block grade was the lowest it's been in the last four seasons. Mm in any single game. What we all saw of just ineffective and not being able to do much of anything in the run game sort of bore itself out in the number as well. And then also just rushing yards. And we don't account for sacks as rushing yards. So he had 65 total rushing yards. He had 69 yards after contact. 
that's bad. That's really bad. Don't those numbers should not be that way. That basically means you're getting hit in the backfield and that everything that you're getting is the backs getting it on their own versus, yeah. you know, 50% of those num- of those yards being after contact where half the yards you're getting are because the old line has made big holes. It's just numbers that don't mesh and obviously like even when you look at it it goes to what you saw on fourth and one when they ran the – which a great play design, great play call, but they weren't running the ball. They were throwing it to Kyrus Jackson on the edge. And then after Zamir White's touchdown, three possessions, and I think maybe 13 plays, you don't run the ball. You don't have to run the ball at all. You get goal to goal, goal, goal to go uh, on the dr- drive that ended up giving you the field goal that put you within two, and you don't – you know, the, the running game doesn't see it. Obviously, some confidence is one starter, Warmacun at right tackle, who were, was playing the position that he played the entirety of the season. Xavier Truss struggled at left tackle. It just wasn't there from a running game perspective. Yeah, Ben Cleveland, a big a big piece, obviously. Missing a guy like new. him. Your normal left guard is not right guard. You move at Jamari Sawyer, who played left tackle all year, into left guard. So, you know, an offensive line, as much as anything, is, is a cohesive five-man unit, and it just wasn't on its game uh, in against Cincinnati. Not only confidence issues, but the – that that's where Georgia is trending as a team, much like every other team in college football. I think so, and and especially when you have a, quarter, a capable quarterback. In terms of this game, he was JT Daniels was obviously not what he's been the previous three games. He had a fifty three point four passing grade. You know, obviously the lowest he's had this season. You know, he was only three of eight for, on throws over twenty yards. He had when you look coming into the game, he only had two turnover worthy plays. He had four in this game. Remember, he got an intercept. He had an interception that was yeah. taken away because of a penalty. Right. Uh, fumbled. Now, I will say the one was a little bit egregious. The one fumble that they, that gets kind of credited to him because I've never seen a fumble spiral out of bounds right. 20 yards. That was a bit odd. Uh, but still, yet yeah, there was another play where he's moving around the pocket, got hit, loses the ball. So he came sort of back down to earth. But when you look at the actual box score numbers, 392 yards, had a touchdown. George Pickens was his normal bowl game dominant self. And, and, you know, I think you're going to continually see more and more of that uh, from him, especially when you look at his production over the last four games with Daniels. But, yeah, it was it was a struggle on the offensive side of the ball in general. But I do think as much as of anything with the offensive line, now you hey, you got the spring now and then the fall practice. Go find your best five, whoever that may be. It might be, you know, you might include be including Broderick Jones. It might include the the new five star signee Amaris Mims. Who knows what that five man unit's going to look like and depending upon who goes pro, who stays. But Go find your best five. And once you settle that, you've got playmakers everywhere else. I'm assuming the quarterback comes back as well in that uh, because that's a big key because next year is not like any normal year. You open with Clemson. A little different animal to open the season next season. Which, I got to tell you, they got smacked around by Ohio State pretty good, too. I was surprised by that. There was a couple of things that were surprising. One, that Trevor Lawrence looked a little bit human yep. in the game. The interesting thing about Clemson is – their line of scrimmage game, especially on the offensive line, they've not recruited at the level that Georgia, Alabama, and some of the other SEC teams have on the offensive line and developed in that area. But how they've won is misdirection. They use the QB read game and QB run game. And then also just having great receivers on the outside. And with Justin Ross's in- injury this year, it kind of caught up to them in the playoffs, finally. That was the one game where you know it, it became a thing because Ohio State just physically dominated them and absolutely gashed them. 
and they had youth on the defensive line as as well. A lot of talent, but a lot of youth. So yeah, they just it was a beatdown, and, and Justin Fields obviously had the game of his life. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, what a tough kid, man. Got to give him credit for being as tough as I've seen in college football, taking hits like he did, and then getting back up and continuing and finishing the game. It was pretty darn impressive. Did you see the comment after the game? Yeah, I just got a shot and sent it back out there. That was I thought that was interesting because as someone who you know in healthcare on the in the normal daily basis, I was like, wait, wait a second here. This kid may have had some internal injuries based on where he got hit right got to please tell me you check that out yeah before you just gave him a uh, something to numb him up and get him back on the field yes yeah, yeah no doubt was, but no he played great and i think they match up better with alabama than clemson would anyway all right well look i think it'll be a great game no doubt about it uh quickly going back to jt daniels he got hit a whole lot in that game and that look that probably led to a little bit of his lower grade than we've traditionally seen since he's taken over yeah it was the most he's been pressured in any game and he didn't stop and he didn't stop playing you know his eye level like even in late drive when he was hitting the dump offs to Kenny McIntosh or one that he hit to, to Fitzpatrick uh, on a dump off right before he got hit. When your eye level stays up like that and you're still taking those hits as a quarterback, that's good things that you want to see. The toughness that he displayed, that's a win for Georgia in terms of what you know you have at the quarterback position and, and the ability to you know stand in there and deliver the ball from the pocket because he's obviously you know, he's got a, needs a whole offseason to truly rehab and get his knee healthy and get to where his athleticism can be back to normal. But you know he's a true pocket passer and when you have that someone like that you've got to be able to you know every now and then take a hit yeah and he did he didn't back down so i'm proud of that um last thought i kept hearing people say is jt daniels coming back next year i can't imagine him not no i would i would put that chance at slim very slim one the quarterback class that's coming out it's a really good one i've seen mock drafts at least ones that we have on the website at pff where six quarterbacks are in the first round and if you're not a first round quarterback it's of your benefit to come back because you want that fifth year on the rookie contract. And for him, an offseason to heal, an offseason to really right. strengthen and, and get back to, and then also get a full season with the weapons that Georgia's going to have on the outside and in the backfield. And that is immeasurable to me because you're going to play in an offense that suits you and is, is caters to you as a quarterback and is really quarterback friendly. And then now you have all the weapons that you have with Pickens and Burton, Rosemary Jack Saint, Dominic Playlock. Arian Smith, who we saw can just run by literally anyone in the like we saw in the bowl game. So it's of his benefit, I think, to be back and, and lead lead this team next fall. I do believe you are correct, and I think that's what we'll see. This is Bulldogs by the Numbers. My name is Tug Coward, along with Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus and UGA Sports.com. Right. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. As we get ready to wrap up, you know, with the season obviously being behind us, we won't be doing a weekly podcast anymore, but we'll probably do one a month. I'm thinking maybe around the um, signing day, the traditional signing day. 
post combine even we can do yep post combine and uh post draft post spring game there you go so uh, a couple times that you'll hear us here on bulldogs by the numbers as we uh move closer and closer to getting college football back on the field because there's no season like college football season. Make sure you go and subscribe at UGASports.com. $99.95 a year. You get as much Bulldogs information as you want. It is all about the team. It is all about recruiting. It is all about the Bulldogs. And then at ProFootballFocus.com, you can buy those college grades for uh, like $30 this year. The premium package, which is what, $129? I think so, yeah. You get all, a little bit of everything with that. There you go. That's at PFF.com for Pro Football Focus. Southeast is Braves country. So for the latest on the Atlanta Braves, subscribe to the Braves Clubhouse Report. Dropping every Wednesday afternoon with Kevin McAlpin and the voice of the Braves, Ben Ingram. The Atlanta Braves are once again champions of the National League East. And for even more Braves, you can also subscribe to KMAX Weekly Braves Podcast and be on top of the latest Braves news before anyone else. Subscribe to the Braves Clubhouse Report and Braves Weekly wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan Wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. 